Welcome to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me is Brian Kazaska. And Ben, today's show, we're giving back to the old community. In feedback. You got it. Our feedback show. We get all the feedback from everybody who listens to the show, and we appreciate it. And now today, we're going to answer some A's with some... No, we're going to answer some Q's with some A's. <laughs> Maybe. Hopefully. Or get more questions. You never know. Yeah, I know. From Facebook on August 10th, 2018, John Lee writes, Hello, Ben and Brian. I just started listening to the podcast from the beginning, and I'm really enjoying it. I'm super excited to get to the Twin Peaks of the Return episodes to see what you guys think of it. Right now... I'm on episode 14 of your podcast, though I might have an idea on where the name Polanski is connected to Roman Polanski. <laughs> so, for people who are unfamiliar with the Polanski debacle, debacle, yes. Uh, back in the day when we started the show off, back we, when we just started, we we were both newbies on the show. Yeah, we were just starting off making a podcast. Yeah, we were both new to this whole thing. <laughs> this happened. We got some emails from people, and you know, it's, our most negative uh, uh, feedback. Yeah. Yes. But this I, is I, actually I, pretty I, positive from John Lee. Yes, but I tell you all the time, I think about going George Lucas and going back to those episodes and, and editing I say all no. that. Up. It's I know. part of us. It's our history. You can't change history, Ben. I could try. But you, you will fail. I could go, I could take Laura home again. <laughs> no. <laughs> you will erase us. If you change our past, we disappear. Oh my gosh. It was like Twin Peaks Unwrap never happened. Yeah, we'll fade away. <laughs> it's like Back to the Future. Um, so, because if you were to change that conversation, that could change the directory of our future and how the show continued. And then people will be listening to this show and say, there was never any episodes like that. That never happened. Yeah. That was the uh, the unofficial or the official versions. The Mandela uh, effect yeah. will become a thing with us. Roman Polanski was the husband of Sharon Tate, who was murdered with three friends in their home by the Manson family. Just a guess, but could it be somehow be connected to that? Keep up the good work. I'm looking forward to catching up on the podcast episodes. So you're way behind us, John Lee, and hopefully in a year or two when you get to this episode, you get to hear me read your email, which will blow your mind from the future. So yeah, it's interesting because in Room to Dream, David Lynch, when he's living in L.A. and he's doing uh, Lost Highway, before he does Lost Highway, he's itching for these ideas, and this a detective who did the Dahlia uh, murder mystery there. Right. Like, he allows David Lynch to look at some horrific, yeah, like, murders, photographs. Right, and it's funny how he says, like, what, what's wrong with this photo? And Lynch couldn't figure it out. Yeah, and he, well, he, yeah. And he, or years later, he figured out that I think all, all their photos they've had in the past, well, what happened was... They were the, taken at night. Or night, and this was during the daylight, and, right, it was really, it was given to him by the a, a woman after her husband had died and mm -hmm. i don't know that they connected it that maybe that husband that died was actually the murderer i don't yeah so it's interesting david lynch does have a fascination with these sort of things i mean he was really like into the oj simpson trial which led into parts of lost highway because lost highway was a lot of different ideas put together so it, it quite possibly the roman polanski sharon tate thing maybe I mean, we do know originally him and Mark Frost were going to do a thing about Marilyn Monroe. Right. And they were going to go somewhere where 
a lot of people weren't comfortable going. Well, and that was based on um, a, a book, A Goddess, where it was very political and about how it was like the Kennedys actually uh, went and killed Marilyn Monroe. And David Lynch was less interested in that. I, I have a feeling Mark Frost wouldn't mind the political interest and stuff. Well, yeah. But, but it was Lynch who was kind of like, nah, that's not... And anyways, the studios never were going to go with that. Like, they were... Well, that's what he said. I think, I think there was somebody, uh, Kennedy on the board. It was something. It was like, there, there was no way they would... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They were going to They weren't going to allude to anything like that. But, I mean, that is mentioned in Room to Dream um, about that whole conversation. So, I mean, it's interesting... There's, an fasc- there's a fascination there with these type of people. So that's quite possibly. Thank you for the uh, Facebook message, John Lee. On Twitter, at uh, Joey503 says, uh, just started listening on episode 9, Discovered Twin Peaks last year, on my second watch currently. Do you guys think that the woodsmen have been woodcutters who got too close to the Red Room entrance and was taken as minions? So I think he wants to know the origins of the woodsman. And I, mm. I actually did respond to him, and I said, well, if you can put that theory together, can you somehow connect uh, Margaret, the log lady's husband, who was a woodsman? Can you somehow throw that into the theory, too? Because he was a wood- woodsman. Well, wasn't he a fireman? Or- it was both. And here's the, inter- here's the interesting thing. I believe in the show it mentioned him as a woodsman. On the show, and then in the Secret Diary of Laura Palmer, he was a fireman. Mm-hmm. And Mark Frost brilliantly, in the Secret History of Twin Peaks, combined them both, saying that like he was a woodsman and he he volunteered part time as a, a fireman, and that's how you were able to get both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in the show, uh, Margaret talks about like when they're in the in the in the first season in her cabin, she says about how the fire, She, her husband was a woodsman and he died, was, in, a died in a fire and stuff like that. And of course, we think of fire usually as evil or, or somehow connected to uh, the Black Lodge. And if he was a fireman, maybe he ran into the fire to put it out or do help somebody and that's how he yeah. died. Because he was a volunteer fireman so he would have that in him to go help. Right. And because why else would you get, why would you, how would you die in a fire unless you were in a house and you didn't know or, you know, I'm, I think to myself, I'm like, oh God, what happened? You know, right. like. I always pretended that he was in the woods where like the woods got engulfed in fire mm. and he got, you know, trapped in it. Like. I yeah. mean, that theory could help hold up. Maybe they were too close to the flame. Oh yeah. Or they, here he's saying they're too close to even the red room. Yeah, that's they what I'm saying. Get, right. That. But it's weird because in Twin Peaks, you know, Hawk says they're. There are two places and they're spiritual uh, realms or areas, whatever you want to, or how they believe it. So then with him dying in a fire makes these places more physical than surreal. Yeah. So it's tough. And Joey's saying, too, he, like his theory is that like, these woodsmen could be seeing weird things all the time. Mm. And, you know, Truman says there's this darkness in these woods and stuff like that. So maybe these woodsmen were there all the time and they were constantly seeing weird things. Maybe vortexes and... Maybe. <laughs> red room curtains. And they'd look one way and they'd look the next way and it would, it would disappear. Maybe. I still think about Hawk. Like, what the heck? With, with the return, season three, he seemed to have seen the, the curtains. Did. And yeah. then he kind of... Like just went home. I mean, like it was. I felt like that was going somewhere. I just assumed Hawk was going to enter the red room. And, we all did, yeah. and then it was nothing. <laughs> then he forgot everything, you know. But maybe it was a premonition because then he he dropped the coin. He found Laura Palmer's diary, paid missing pages. I mean, he did find things. Things yeah. directed him. So I don't know. The log lady sent him sent sent him in the right direction, and he did find things. Yeah, yeah found the missing pages. You know, we've discussed this in other shows where we, you know. Because we do this show, it's hard to come up with our own theories and put them on paper and really flesh them out. Yeah. But I always consider the woodsmen this evil. They got sent into the world during the after that bomb, and it's this darkness. They got sent in, and physically we're seeing woodsmen, but I think like like on a physical realm, they're just this this darkness that seeped into our hmm. culture that um, really grabs the fabric of society and change things um so like that couple driving down the street probably saw something not real woodsman but maybe like someone was being murdered and they saw the murderer or hmm. instead on the radio you're hearing this like 
everything's great kind of song. Love is great. And then all of a sudden in a couple years or so, you're going to start hearing like rock and roll. You're going to start hearing like things. People are going to start singing about drugs and sex, things they very weren't. Very alien, very. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is unreal, not my music. Like, right. You know, like, <laughs> I, I I, can't believe. That's devil's music. Yeah. <laughs> Elvis <demon>. Presley <laughs> showing his hips on TV. No way. Like, so I think these things, maybe not so devilish but things that are sin like for that time yes. are going to seep in and that's how i kind of saw the woodsman not like a physical thing like we saw him but more of a just a rip in our fabric of society that's going to start tearing us apart and it, it sometimes it could get real dark and sometimes it could just be just little things that are all right you know like they're just going to change us right but I, you know i don't know what do you think about the woodsman yeah, I mean, so I even connect them to Fire Walk With Me, where we briefly see them in the convenience store. Mm. I mean, they're more, they're not, they don't look the exact same. And then, do we see them other places too? I don't know. If, I guess that's, I guess that's the big place. But I don't know what, it's just some weird thing. I don't, I don't, it's hard to give an origin to that. Yeah, it really, it really is. is. It's and tough. like I don't. Yeah, so I'm not sure. There, I like to think they. I like the idea of Joey saying about minions that they do seem to work for the Black Lodge. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's their whole purpose. Like they have no. Like Bob had his own agenda. Where are these guys? He's rogue. He's he a went rogue. rogue. Yeah, yeah, he went his own way. But these guys seem like they're they're only set out to do maybe what the mother wants or the experiment wants. Mm-hmm. Maybe that they're they're just set out into the world to hey, we need another. Uh, we want a young girl to take over and. <laughs> In fact, and so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I like that. You got something? I do. I got another thing from Facebook, July seventeenth, twenty eighteen. Carrie you, writes. I'm just saying. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not putting out dates or anything. Like I know. That. I am. I know. Uh, why. You put out dates. Do whatever you want. I'm like Casey Kasem over here. <laughs> Counting down the charts. Counting down the charts on Facebook, July seventeenth. Carrie writes. <laughs> I just want to take a moment. No. I just want to take a moment to tell you how much I enjoyed the last day's Letterman episode. I've never seen an episode of this show, shameful, I know, since I went to Ball State. It was so interesting to me, even though I am not a fan. Nor am I a John Mayer fan, but his rendition of American Pie brought tears to my eyes. Your podcast never fails to cheer me up. So thank you again for bringing a smile to my face and a good cry. Both were well needed. Well, I think that's very, very nice, Carrie. That was a very nice uh, message yeah. on Facebook. I mean, that rendition of uh, American Pie, no joke. I, it is fantastic. I love it. I, I, it, does, I am, it gets I me am choked up. I'm a fan up. of American Pie, and I think for me, Madonna was the only one that destroyed American Pie. I hate she, her version of it. She did a cover of American Pie. Yeah, you don't remember that? It was a few years ago. It wasn't that long ago. Maybe it was five years ago or something like that. It was like awful. Maybe I blocked it out of my memory. But, I, so I love the song in general. I love that it's like eight minute song. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, he did a great version of that, and you could tell that uh, Letterman really loved it. Oh, like he, he yeah. it was so happy. Yeah, we are a Twin Peaks podcast, but we do veer off. We veer off to Lynch and Frost and to other things. And here's something that, like, you know, Letterman has nothing to do with Twin Peaks, but we love Scott and we and we want to support Scott and we we're interested in whatever Scott does. So mm-hmm, it was cool mm-hmm. to have him on and talk about it. And it's good to nice to hear that the people that are listening to our show still enjoy other topics besides Twin Peaks. David Lynch has been on Letterman before. Sure. That's your connection. And, you know, yeah, it was a very special episode. I think Scott, that episode alone, he gave us a big scoop about who he interviewed. Yes. And that alone made that show very special. Yeah. I mean, Uh, that was really cool. That was really special to to share it with us first. Yeah, uh, that was really cool. But, I mean, yeah, I mean. I, I agree, Carrie. You know uh, that that version of American Pie. It, it makes you like stop in your tracks and just not want to do anything and just just like enjoy the music. You know, it's it's totally. it is really good. Yeah. So thank you so much. So on YouTube, and remember, uh, you know, when I read this, understand this is coming from YouTube. So, dear TPU, could you please do a video on who is Billy or who Billy is? Maybe I missed something in the Frost books, but there's no one named Billy on the IMDb character list. Yet he comes up in both episode 14 and 15. Well, that's what 
Cheryl uh, with Audrey talking about she needs to get out of this house and to see Billy, right? Oh, yes, but the, when you go to the double R, people mm-hmm. are just h- hanging out, and I think they op- the guy comes in and says, Billy, isn't that right? Didn't he say where? Yeah, we all thought it said Bing. Oh, maybe it does say Bing. I'm still confused on that. You know on IMDb, it says Bing. Okay. Which is weird, because on the closed captioning, it said Bing. It did say Bing? Yeah. So then it's not Billy? No. Are you sure? Now I want to look it up. Look it up. But <clears throat> Billy is mentioned, but we do not physically see a Billy. So that doesn't help. I almost feel like these are just names that don't have any meaning. It's just giving us the story. Because there was a story about a guy who got messed up. And actually, the guy in the jail cell. I was going to go there, yeah. Didn't we think that was Billy? Yeah, I still think it's Billy. I think that's Billy, too. Yeah, because Because here's the thing is that, like, so you're right with that. We're at the roadhouse, and there's girls talking. And I thought they tell this story about Billy coming in, and yes. he seems to be messed up, and he runs out of the house, and he's getting chased mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. away and stuff. So he seems like he's having issues. But to me, I, that story of that guy, Billy, coming into the house seemed very familiar to the guy in the jail. And so. Yes, exactly. Because they talk about the hole in the mouth and whatnot, and they talk about the mom going crazy and she makes us oh like like oh she's crazy like alluding to audrey alluding that audrey's the one they're talking about here and that audrey's in the cuckoo house which we see that brief moment with her in a white room which would indicate she is in a uh, like crazy house and she's probably trying to go through some stuff Oh, yeah. She's trying to, like, get out of her head. You know, I, I believe. Definitely. She's I agree. She's trapped Fit, um, emotionally. So, look at That was a Riley Lynch. Bing. Two episodes. Part seven, part five. All right, I'll try seven. Trouble, Bing. But Trouble is the band. So, part seven. It says Bing. You're see? right. I know. Weird. I'm going to look but at it. But we all there. thought we heard Billy. Oh, you're right. Hey, the closed caption says Bing. Hey! Billy? It doesn't sound. It sounds like Billy to me. I know. I think it's Billy, it, and I think I, I think they're talking about the Billy we see in the jail cell. I think the Bing is a missed thing. I think someone said it was too. I need to. We need to reach out to Sabrina and ask. I think Sabrina said on Twitter. Somebody said that Bing. It wasn't Bing. It's, I don't know. It sounds. sounds like to, it really sounds like Billy to me. But I. Yeah. I really stand by the idea that the guy in the in the jail cell is Billy. Yes. Because I feel like. Yeah. It I seems do to make the most sense. At the same time, it, it seems like whenever Billy came up is part of almost like is. Is this a dream world? Is the Roadhouse part dream world? Especially with Audrey and her Audrey's dance. You wonder if this is part of a, a whole different world. I kind of felt like it was. Yeah. So I don't know. You know? At the end, I thought they were all going to meet up like Lost, like yeah. Purgatory. And they're all going to like... Remember? <laughs> like a church? <laughs> I dig that. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, there you go. I hope we answered your question I, as best I, as we I'm can. I'm standing by that. I think that there's enough evidence between the girls talking in the Roadhouse and what we see in the jail cell, that guy, that that is Billy. And anything else, I mean, it seems like Billy was just having an affair with Audrey. Again, but is that story, is Audrey really married to that guy? Is this all in her head? I mean, like... Well, those people talking to Roadhouse, I think, were telling the truth. That was a clue about Audrey. Because she does talk about the nut house. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think, I think Audrey couldn't leave the house because she was all, it was, she was trying to leave her head. Right. And then she finally did it, and we saw that glimpse of her horrible fate. Get me out of here! What? 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 So here is a Facebook comment worth noting, Ben. From our Jennifer Lynch interview, Josh wrote, Jennifer mentioning her grandmother's Venus statue, and then you, being Ben, immediately following it up with a question as to whether the statue might have inspired her dad for the Red Room had me exclamating, yes, (laughs) thank you, while listening alone with my earbuds in. Great interview. That was by far one of the best interviews um, we we had this year. Jennifer Lynch was just amazing. She is something so else. nice. Yeah. But I felt like we got in a good rapport, a good conversation with her. Yeah. And 
I think a lot of people appreciated the fact that you like had a good follow up in that sense because sometimes you listen to interviews and people say things and you're kind of yelling at the interviewer like yeah ask that question and i can tell you from doing interviews sometimes you're kind of like okay i've got so much time with this person i've got these are my questions i gotta get get i want to get answered and you you just want to keep going Mm -hmm. from the next one and it's hard sometimes it's so important to listen it is so important to listen and to like listen in the sense that like do you have something else to to follow up with that person? And I and I want to do that, but I can tell you that sometimes it's hard because you have so much time and you got so many questions. But you know, there's so many people that had commented like this. Like our friend Bino, he says, when she mentioned the the Venus del Milo, I thought, oh my God, they have to ask her about the Red Room. And then you did it. And then I remembered why I love your show so much. <laughs> <laughs> See, I mean, yeah, it was like. Yeah, for me it was like, yeah, that statue was so much like her dad's statue, and for her to share, and that and other people are commenting too about how like, oh wow, it's great to hear that backstory about that her grandmother had a replica of it, and I found a picture, I shared it on uh, on Twitter, and the statue is probably like you know a couple inches high, like you know you think of like oh a replica, you think it's a full size, but it was, it was a small little statue, but oh really? Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, but yeah, there was a lot of great feedback like that. Lisa from YouTube, besides be being a huge. Twitter, Twin Peaks fan, Boxing Helene is one of my favorite films. I've seen it a bunch of times and never get tired of it, which is also how I feel about Twin Peaks. So yeah, there was a lot of good feedback about Boxing Helene and, we and Jennifer were, Lynch. You know, I think I part of me wasn't worried because we got Jennifer Lynch. Yeah. But the movie wasn't well received. But I think now, I think in retrospect, I think it's, I I think it has a following. It's just hard to get a copy of it. It's yeah. expensive. Yeah, it's hard. It's it's VHS, or you can get laser disc. There was a, we got I, the DVD. Well, we did. Yeah, yeah. you know, you're right. There was a DVD. We did get yeah. a DVD, but, but they're right, expensive. Was, yeah, I think I might have. I got to use probably one. because of shipping. I probably spent thirty dollars on it. Me too. You're right. We do have but a DVD. But brand new, you're looking at thirty five bucks. Yeah. Unopened. I got mine used, but still, like, um, they're not cheap and they're hard to find. Totally. You know. Well, you know, there's a laser disc that has like the, uh, a director's cut, but I think the only thing that's different is they don't, they don't. Uh, the main character doesn't talk at the very, very end. Like the last thing he says, like he walks over to the statue and he doesn't say anything. I think, which is kind of like I don't know. Is that's it, his director's cut. I think so. That's what I read somewhere. It wasn't much of a change. That's yeah. Well, I, know. I really would have loved to get. Scene, I would really. love to get it because they had some like you know commentary and they had. I think there was. There's maybe somebody talking about how the how the statue was made or the box or I don't I know I think it was it was about the box for Cheryl and Fenn and that mm-hmm. would have been interesting to hear the backstory on that mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. yeah that was a really cool interview with Jen that was great I am still haunted by my love for her I'm still haunted by my love for her. I am still haunted by my love for her. I am still haunted those dreams. Those dreams still haunted. Those dreams still haunted. Those dreams. Another Facebook comment worth noting, Ben, from our John Bernardi episode 149. Brian wrote, What a superb podcast. I just listened to one episode. Wait a minute, you were writing this? Yes. <laughs> no, you're not. Different, different it's Brian. Different Brian. Brian wrote, what a superb podcast. I just listened to episode 149 with John Bernardi. I think I just learned more about Twin Peaks than I have in the past 10 years. You and me both, Brian. You and me both. And I'm not talking to myself. Um, But yeah, I mean, that was the earthquake one. And that was, like, exhausting. My (laughs) brain was going to burst with information I think I had to go into like a deep sleep for the next two days to recover from all that information he gave us. But it was a, an amazing show. Totally was. It, we yeah, still I, talk about it to this day. Oh yeah, we and haven't I, recovered. We, we got to get John on again because he's, he's still he's still doing his theories on Twenty Five Years Later site. Our friends at Twenty Five Years Later, he mm-hmm. still does regular theories, and I I think there's other ones that would be great to talk about on the show. Oh, definitely. People are always interested in the community rewatch, mm-hmm. and we're still getting a lot of uh, comments about what uh, are we going to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And so on YouTube, Thomas says, "Are you planning on going through the whole original series?" 
<laughs> you should see Brian. He's making a face like, uh, I think we are. I think for the community rewatch, we are going to go through season one, season two, Firewalk with me, and season three. We got to get to season one first. I know. But I mean, I, I, at least after Firewalk with me, there's stuff from the scripts that you can take that are mm. new in a way that, and I think it'd be great to have the unseen cast read them, and and mm. it's fun just to hear what could have been. Yeah. So at least through Firewalk with me, I think it's great to do these community rewatch, but I still think it'd be fun we get to three. But it is something that would take, you know, we're hoping to do one every month when we can, mm-hmm. and, you know, it could take a few years if I can keep you on board. <laughs> keep, if we can keep going with these, we. Right. I mean, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's tough. A lot. It's a lot of work. But I kind of see, I still kind of see it, uh, the show ending with the end, whatever, however we end the community rewatch could be like one of our last episodes and it's all done. So, and, and there's other people who are saying that I'm going with the whole community rewatch deleted scenes. I have a, a, a Lawrence from YouTube who says there was a recording on Vimeo with several of these deleted scenes not featured on any of the DVDs. Unfortunately, it's disappeared not long ago. My favorite scene was the introduction of Sparky, Ed's assistant. I hope it makes its way to the internet again. What is that about? So there's a there's, Big Ed had assistant Sparky. And here's the thing as we will get into it. This doesn't happen till episode 4 of mm-hmm. Twin Peaks. It's mm-hmm. in, it's in the scripts. We, and he, Sparky also shows up in Firewalk with Me script, so he's just an assistant of Ed's at the at the uh, gas station. Weird. But there is a whole scene between Big Ed and and we don't really have deleted Twin Peaks. Well, we have some on the DVDs, and we do in the Blu-ray. We do have yeah, some. Yeah, but it's not. I don't. I don't remember seeing Sparky. No. So that's what he's saying. He's saying it was out there. Wow. And I wonder like, how it got out there. Yeah. Back in the day, there was fans who got a hold of stuff. I might be able to get a hold of it. I got. I can look into it. <laughs> You're one of those fans. Ben. <laughs> I'm one of those fans. You have a thumb drive filled of Sparky's <laughs> side stories. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I do think, uh, you know, we will discuss it in episode four mm. about Sparky. Interested. I'm, I'm intrigued. This is a comment from YouTube about JC's theory, Ding Dong, Cooper's dead. One angry banana rope. Holy, best interpretation of Twin Peaks so far. It also goes above and beyond the Mudane view of the timeline theories. And woe, Jack. London wrote, most fascinating interpretation so far. Three hearts. And I only read these out loud because JC's theory was one of my favorite theories that we went down and went to the IFC theater. We saw it on the big screen. Yeah. And we... I edited it. I edited the, uh, the Den- video. Ben did a fantastic did, job I editing. I got the images together. Yeah. But it was, I mean, it's all Jen's uh, wonderful uh, essay. But you, like... That you put a visual stamp on it. Yeah. That's very well done. And uh, people on YouTube, you're commenting on Ben's hard work and Jen's hard work. And it's great to see uh, very positive things yeah, about the review. Yeah, there's a lot of positive comments out there. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. I'm glad you... I missed that one, so I'm glad you, you mentioned that. Yeah. So we got a bunch of uh, feedback on the Freddie Jones interview we got. Ooh, what have we got then? One of our friends, Jamie, who's always emailing us, he says, Hey guys, thanks for last week's really great and totally unexpected Freddie Jones interview. To be honest, I assumed he was dead. (laughs) It was an absolute pleasure to listen to. I think you really scored a real coop there. Good work. Scoop? I think it's going to be scoop. Yeah, a real scoop there. Good work. Thanks, Jamie. It's funny. I don't even know what you say this, but it's funny how he assumed he's dead. I think I might have assumed he was dead too. And then I, maybe I saw something, or I just was looking into it a little further and realized, oh wow, he's like ninety-two or something. We gotta and, get him before he passes. Oh, uh, but it was just a, yeah, it was just a good time to yeah. get him on. And he was a great guy. And um, some other feedback was uh, Connor says. Also, I love the interview with Freddie Jones. My friend knows him and met him last week. He really enjoyed doing the interview. So it's kind of nice to we didn't really we haven't stayed in touch with Freddie Jones. It's nice to hear that he talked about he talked about it with somebody else and he mm. enjoyed doing the interview. So that that's great to hear. That's cool. That warms my heart. I like to hear stuff like that. A review from iTunes. Alex wrote on March of 2018. This is my favorite Twin Peaks podcast. The hosts are obviously fans of the material and provide excitement in their discussion of the show five out of five stars thank you for the five out of five and thank you for that review on itunes 
because more and more reviews on iTunes, our show will be seen by more and more eyeballs and right. listened to by more, more ears. And I've noticed the star rating system, we've gotten more uh, reviews. We're over 100 now. Well, thank you. Which That's is great. Awesome. I think it, I haven't made a goal in a while. I would love to see 150 reviews on iTunes. It doesn't have to be just stars. Just give us a five-star review. 150 of those? We're, we're, like, we're over 100 right now. I think that would be fantastic. That would be Let's awesome. Let's see if we can do that. What do you got for us, Ben? Well, I was looking at uh, iTunes as well, and we've got all kinds of people. We've got people in Canada, all over Denmark. Denmark says, one of the best podcasts about Twin Peaks on the internet. Great analysis, theories discussed, interviews with people who worked on the series. Great humor and very entertaining. I'm glad we're entertaining. That's all <laughs> we aim to be. That's it. If we've entertained, we've done our job. Yes. I have an email from Australia, Simon Hope. Simon says, Hello, Ben and Brian. Thank you for a great Twin Peaks podcast. I'm currently up to episode 12 of season 3. Living in Australia, I didn't have a subscription to Stan, streaming subscription like Netflix, so I needed to wait until the DVDs finally came out early this year. I then took me a few weeks to get started watching the series. I often listen to your podcast while doing dishes or cooking dinner. I try to listen to at least three podcasts before watching the next episode. All the podcasts have I subscribe to in Player FM, not ratings. Oh, so he, he does it in Player FM, I guess is the thing, it can, and he can't rate it, unfortunately. He's kind of sad about that, because he would totally rate our show. Oh, cool. But I would give you five stars if I could. And he likes it that it's got this kind of real-time format, you know, because we were when it came to season three, we were kind of like, the show had just come out, it was our first impression, our theories were usually wrong. <laughs> I usually I was sure that Cooper was coming back the next week. I know. Yeah. The podcasts are my debrief of each of the episodes. The podcasts are my debrief of each of the episodes. Being the only Twin Peaks watcher in the house, your podcasts are my connection to the wider Twin Peaks community. One day I will get my wife to watch season one. Until then, your podcasts are like friends catching up. Uh-huh. Well, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, and he also mentioned that you know a lot of our, our friends' podcasts, he likes to listen to Diane and Sparkwood and 21 and Twin Peaks Rewatch. And these are all Oh, great. nice. Yeah. All good ones. And I guess there's a Twin Peaks The Return is in Australia. And there will be drinking recaps. Oh, they're entertaining. They're really yes. drinking. I think they moved on to... Porno. Porno. <laughs> yeah, they have. Wow. I mean, they always wanted Twin Peaks to be a porno. <laughs> yes. Well, they did do Twin Cheeks or whatever. Oh, it no. was very, It was very funny. Wow. And they say, thank you again for your great podcast. Only six episodes to go. I'm, I'm very tempted to binge watch, but have been enjoying spreading it out with podcasts in, in between each episode. Plus, you only get one first watch for every episode. Cheers, Simon. And Simon, keep doing that because... You're right. You only get one watch for that first time. So, so watch four episodes in a row, especially the first four. No, you just enjoy <laughs> it. Watch one, listen to our show, let it let it um, permeate you uh, and yes. sink in. Because that's the biggest thing in today's society is, is binge watching. And I know Netflix is even trying to get the people who are producing the shows to stop saying binge watching. Mm. They're trying to step away from that. It's hard. Because a lot of people, are, it's already in our ether. It's already in vernacular. Binge watching. It's become a thing. Honestly, it is nice to watch one or two episodes of something. Think about it. Talk about it. Let it sit with you for a day and continue watching. You enjoy it. Enjoy it. Because sometimes when you, Twin Peaks is too dense of a show to binge watch. Yes. So what you're doing, Simon, is the perfect way to watch. Don't let anybody tell you differently. Right on. Right on. Fight the power. (laughs) Another review from the good old iTunes. Brendan1990, that was a fine year, if I do say so myself, wrote, In June of 2018, I love this podcast, but every episode I've heard so far is mostly the host asking, I think this is the episode where this happens? Is this the episode where that happens? (laughs) Who would do that? I don't know. That's crazy. Like, why don't you just enjoy the show? So, 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 Brandon, when we, a little secret, when we were first recording the first eight episodes, we were trying to, like, build shows before we went live with it, 
And I, I never watched Twin Peaks before, so I got my Blu-ray. I got a notepad. And then I was jotting down notes. And I would I was watching, I think we got to episode five, and then I took a step back. I was like, all right, well, what we happened need was to... You were trying to watch, I think you were, you were watching, you got ahead a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We yeah. got ahead. So we learned from our mistakes. Now, sure. this is a podcast we do in our free time. It's one of the things we learned we're doing on the air currently. I have not watched it beyond what we've done. And neither have I. Even though I did watch it, maybe it was 20 years ago, whenever mm. it was, 15 years ago I watched it. I'm pretending I'm just watching one episode. And I don't remember a lot of the episodes going forward. So to me, it is like watching it time. for the first time. Yeah. And it's something, as a newbie, like it is tough. Like I just talked with Simon about uh, binge watching. It becomes foggy where things happened. So in the beginning, we were like that. And that's something we we knew that was a big mistake, and we corrected that. And the funny thing is, I would say to you, no, Brian, you can't do that. Because it was hard. It's it is tricky. hard. But, you know, uh, you know, it's always good to get uh, critical feedback. And I think John Bernardi was one of our first critics. He gave us feedback, but he was hard on us. Yes. And not he was a it, fan, but he was also uh, told us, you know. I want you to be the best of the best yeah and i will give you the tips and how to do that he was like our sensei <laughs> so so brendan we've heard this before and you got to get through that if you're listening just from the beginning Someday we apologize I'll edit it all out. no no <laughs> then you're going to change history yes. um the premise of the podcast is that the hosts are supposed to watch the show and then analyze it immediately after Yep. But so much time is wasted with the host asking each other if they're talking about the right episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> is this episode three? <laughs> three out of five stars. Well, Brendan, I appreciate the fact that you, you rated us. I appreciate the fact that you took the time to write this. And I appreciate the fact that you critiqued us. And I, I like that about the community. Um, I... So I uh, thank you. And now you know why. There's a history lesson of, you know, what we went through. We learned as podcasters, as humans, as, pe as people. Right. We, we always improve. Always improving. Now you can listen to it and say, boy, they're so much better than a couple years On ago. On the air, they're just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got a couple of Firewalk With Me feedback. Yeah, let's hear it. Jarrett emailed us. Hey, guys, Laura Palmer was killed... February 23rd, 1989. In Firewalk With Me, Desmond goes missing. Cooper says it's February 16th, but doesn't give a year. Then he goes off to Deer Meadows, and it's one year later. That fits the bill. In the missing scenes right before Jeffrey disappears, he explains February 1989. I wrote that off as him having a premonition from above the convenience store of Bob killing Laura. Then, however, in the return, Mr. C tells Jeffreys when they meet at the Dutchman's, that they met at the Philadelphia office in 1989. This would mean the appearance of Jeffries and the disappearance of Desmond took place one week before Laura's death, when we know it's one year. I have a continuity fix in my head, but first, am I missing something? I did respond to him. What was your answer to that? My answer is that Lynch and Frost messed up. <laughs> they messed up. Hmm. They messed up. They messed up maybe a few times here. That. Wouldn't the be the series, first. The series was in 1989, mm -hmm. and Teresa Banks did die then in 1988. Mm -hmm. And I think there was confusion in writing the script that because I mean the confusion too is that the show takes show aired in 1990. So you have a show that aired in 1990 that was talk that was taking place in 89, and then you you factor in Teresa Banks, and that's 1988. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, I think. I think they just didn't think it through, and they got confused on what year it was. And Mark Frost was not part of Firewalk with me, and I kind of felt like if he was, he would have had the facts straight, where David Lynch Maybe. doesn't really... Maybe. That's not his thing. You also look at the books, though, and some of the books, are, you know, I, I don't know if they're intentionally wrong, but there's, there's facts. Yeah. Oh, the Laura Palmer book is wrong. I'm talking about uh, the recent uh, Secret History of Twin well, Peaks. Well, yeah, yeah, we know that. Yeah. But, you know, there's one thing we have been saying. There's a lot of chatter online about people saying, well... What's canon? What's not canon? Everything is canon and everything is not canon. It's whatever you make it out to I be. I agree. I think it's really, yeah, it's totally what you, yeah. for me, it's like Star Wars. Like, oh, yeah. the, uh, the, the extended universe is not canon. It's like, well, you know what? I enjoyed uh, some of those books and I enjoyed those. And to me, it was all part of Star Wars. I loved 
the Marvel comic books. There's different. There's all that yeah. stuff. It's like it's canon for me. Yeah, <laughs> and know? it's all. Yeah, exactly. Whatever you want it to be. But I think, unfortunately, I think there was maybe uh, some confusion in the dates, and it should have been Teresa Banks '88, and Jeff Jeffries came back to '88, mm-hmm. and then Laura died in '89. <laughs> you just can't think too hard about it, right? And then if you think about it, it's like, is it really 25 years? What year is it? Is it you know? And yeah, it's just yeah. yeah. Uh, somebody else talks about Firewalk with me. Aaron writes, One thing that has bothered me, or at least wanted to, to more into, and how Bobby murdered that unco- undercover cop at the drug deal gone bad in Firewalk with me. He just got away with it. If so, it would be interesting to know how he dealt with with that emotionally in current times as a cop himself. And, uh, maybe that actually um, motivated him to want to be a cop. Maybe he wanted he, he did things wrong as a, ch- as a young man, and then he, he realized, you know what, I got to put this away. I got to get away from this. And I want to do good things. And I want to, you know, set things right. The, the guy who shot was a drug dealer. It was, no, he, went, he was an undercover cop. Oh, he was an undercover cop. So yeah. he never investigated this. It wasn't a warrant to investigate an undercover cop being shot. And then he was dealing with someone he knew. He knew, well, he got shot. So he couldn't report back. But no, was, so Jacques would have been the one that set things up. Yeah. And then the cop from Deer Meadows went undercover and he brought the drugs there. And yeah, so it was all dirty anyway. Yeah. So I kind of feel like nobody would know it was Bobby. And if they did, they're not going to, like, rat him out because he's kind of a drug mule. He, he's buying drugs. He's bringing it to Twin Peaks. Yeah. So, and he might not even know he was, he was, he high. was a high, uh, or even in Firewalk Me, you know, uh, Laura's like, you, Bobby killed somebody and he's kind of like, doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't yeah. want to. Yeah, I think he was high, and I think he probably felt bad about it. I do, and you do wonder if, if he there came a time where he realized all the things he had done. He, I mean, I think he had grown a lot in season two. He definitely wasn't, by the end of season two, he wasn't that same jerky guy that he was. He wanted to better himself. Right. With being a crooked business guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He wanted to do crime legally. <laughs> <laughs> There are a lot of businessmen out there like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah there yeah, is. Yeah. There's a lot of those. <laughs> he wanted to use the system to make himself rich. Becoming a cop probably is redemption for him. I think so. And I and I think, you know, there could have been, uh, there probably was a case on the and, cop, but it just, you know, it just became unsolved. Maybe they just, I can't remember where that was. Was it state line? It was probably. Yeah, but also, I mean, the gun, he, it wasn't his, it's not like Bobby went out and bought a gun. So it's like an unregistered or stolen gun. So they couldn't trace it back to Bob. So, I mean, and here's the other thing too: would have figured it out. In the Laura Palmer diary, he kills somebody else. It's a whole different step. So that's another interesting thing that Jennifer Lynch came up with her own story of who Bobby killed. Unless you want to think he killed multiple people. (laughs) He's a murderer. He's just (laughs) serial killer. You know. No, in in the book, wasn't it out of helping Laura though? Yes, I think so. I mean, it's vague. When she got kind of kidnapped, almost by those guys, the truckers. Yeah, I think so. Right. It's been a while, but yeah, yeah he did. Yeah, is that self defense? Ah, uh, maybe. <laughs> so one was he's high, one self defense. So, but we don't want to think of Bobby as a murderer, right? It would be bad. Yes. So. <laughs> I'm going out to the woods to divvy up the product. I want you to take this cash and put it in your safety deposit box. It's ten thousand dollars. I'm not gonna give you this if you don't stop fucking around. It's not one goddamn bit funny. I killed someone. I killed someone, Laura. Hi, I'm Cheryl and Fenn. Hello, this is Christabel. Hello, this is Michael Horse. Do you enjoy listening to Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the podcast? Have you picked up our book yet? Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book. That has over 100 
cast and crew who have contributed to this book. And it's, I think people really love it. I mean, we also have community commentary where a lot of the community have participated in this. It's just a great book. We recommend you pick it up at bluerosemag.com. Thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm and, and keeping Twin Peaks alive. So, Ben, we got an email from our super fan, Scott Engel. Hi, Brian and Ben. I've been listening to your podcast for more than a year, and I want to let you know how much I enjoyed listening to it. You guys are so fun and thoughtful, and I'm amazed by all the guests you get. The Community Rewatch is my favorite thing you guys have done. I absolutely love the reenactments. And that's, you know, all Ben. He gets the scripts. He gives it to these wonderful and talented folks. The Unseen cast. I mean, they are really great. I mean, we got people from 25 Years Later site, and we've got people from, like, Francine from The Pink Room. Yeah. And we got other people who, who have just been a part of the show in the past who say, yeah, I would love to uh, uh, read the script and be a part of this. And, it's- and, and when we did our best of last year, I think hearing these people do the commercials is yes. what sparked yes. So the your, idea. Your first, yes, things that you were doing to put this the our commercials commercials together. It's like boy, I, and I've been thinking about it for a long time. I said, wouldn't it be cool if we could go back to those scripts and. Uh, and yeah. you heard those talented people, and you're like, "I did." I said, "These people are talented. We gotta get them a, a job here, <laughs> a paid internship." Lindsay and uh, uh, Lindsay there, and uh, her husband—they are great. They were Bickering uh, Peaks. Yes, Bickering Peaks. They were wonderful. Get it? Yeah. Oh, if you can go back, listen to that uh, best of. Right. Amazing. Oh. So Scott continues. I was 15, 16 years old back in 1990 when Twin Peaks first came out, and I loved it. Around that time, I was diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosus, which is a degenerative eye disorder. And Scott, I apologize if I murdered the name of that. At that time, my eyesight was fine, but over the years, it, it has deteriorated. By the time Twin Peaks, the return came around in 2017, I ended up functionally blind it was so frustrating not be able to see all the cool things David Lynch came up with for the new series. That's when I found your podcast and a few others. Your descriptions have made me feel like I'm fully participating with the show without being able to see it. That is very magical, Scott. Yeah. Thank you wow. so much. Thank you for sharing that. Oh. I know. It sucks that this happened to you. It really that sucks. And I, but I mean, I'm glad that we can entertain you a little bit there. I know that. I mean, that's really cool. Um, you know, I think I think podcasting is a great uh, medium, and this proves it. I mean, like the fact that you get to enjoy all us talking about it, and at least putting all these images in your head and. Now we have to continue the rewatch just for you, Scott. That's right. So I got Brian for another three years. Yes, thank you. You, you, <laughs> you brought it home. But we do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Adam on YouTube says, Sherilyn Fenn is absolutely right. Which uh, He's talking about the Sherilyn Fenn interview we did. Oh. The chemistry between Cooper and Audrey was like catching lightning in a bottle. When that happens, you don't just let, take the bottle and throw it over your shoulder at the same time, personal things got in the way, and that's understandable. But I think Adam is, stands more with me on they should have been together, Brian. No. <laughs> they should have They were meant to be. This is the only thing we disagree on. And at the same time, I totally see your side because I don't. I totally agree that uh, a young woman should not be with an older man like that. That no. it, it's Even though she, she was 18. She was 18, and how old was Cooper? 25, 26? Probably, at least, yeah. And she was not even out of high school? Yeah, I know. And he worked for law enforcement? Right. He knows better. Yeah. Hashtag time's up. <laughs> time's, up <laughs> time's up for Cooper? Oh, man. I mean, it just, yeah. it, it, like, oh, I always thought that was weird, and I'm glad it didn't go that way. On a show that came out in that year, you know, that time period, it probably would have been fine. We wouldn't, but... In retrospect, people would have been watching it now, and it would have made Cooper look kind of creepy. Yeah. In time. I think when the show came out, nobody would have blinked an eye. But I think now, the show, that that would have been a sticking point for some people. It would have been mocked, or people would have been like, eh, it's a little weird. I'm glad they didn't go down that road. <sighs> I think it's great that we get to talk about it and think that what could have been. Also... 
it's great there was that kind of chemistry between them because in season three, there were hopes that maybe something happened. And it did happen. Not, it's just uh, not in the way we wanted it to happen. It's so funny how, that you, you kind of skirted around the idea that in a way uh, it, it would be almost like sexual assault or or be, of a younger woman because... He was a man in power. A man of power and an you know, older man. And so, and then you have season three who basically said that. It's like, yeah, uh, Mr. C basically, he did. He raped, raped her. He raped her and stuff. So it's funny. And they had a love child. I yeah. mean, not a love, they had a child because of that. Right. Um, an unwanted child. And he was a bad seed. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you think about it, he was a man of power, 18-year-old right. girl. But Cooper was a Boy Scout, and he knew this. See, he knew right from wrong even back then when when men were doing this all the time. You say that, but at the same time, he, he cheated on his uh, his partner there. But it wasn't with a, a high school You're student right. Right. or a teenager. Yeah. You know, we talked about when the, in the original series, was was there ever really a Bob? Was it always Leland that was the evil that men do? Like, well, I mean, now with season three, it's kind of hard. But back it? then... <laughs> It is kind of. I mean, I could Cooper be? Is Mister C really Cooper? <laughs> no, I. I mean, I think we we've seen. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot. I, just, I, I don't know. I don't know, Ben. I just throw. I, I know, but um, <laughs> I'm gonna get you. Um, but like, like he was a man, was moral with a moral compass, and he yes. knew it was wrong. Now to go back to with with Wyndham Earl's wife, I think that was. You know, he was protecting her, and Wyndham Earl was not around, and she didn't. She wasn't a happy wife. She was kind of being thrown aside for Wyndham Earl to go on his adventures and do all this stuff. Right. And I kind of felt like it was out of circumstance and out of a bond. They grew a fondness for each other, and then they, you know, they. I think, I think that's what happened. Sure. And. Cooper's got this big heart, and he 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 reminds me of David Lynch. When you read Room to Dream, you realize all the women David Lynch fall in love with. There is that part of David Lynch in him, yes, where he falls in love with people that maybe he shouldn't be. Because yes. in the book, he was with a lot of girls growing up. It was sort of parallel to David Lynch's life. Yes, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. We got a few uh, feedback on Richard Beamer's interview. We oh, did cool. And uh, we have one there. Thank you for a wonderful interview. What a portrait of this fascinating man. He truly. Has best studios. He was. Richard Beamer was a good get. And Rachel says, uh, fantastic interview. Thank you. I'll be getting this book. And then she did get the book. And she's saying, uh, and this book was The Imposter that Richard Beamer did. Ah. Which I still have. I have the book and I haven't finished it yet. I I, I still debate on doing an episode on that. We have to see. Especially if I can get uh, Richard to come back on again. It would be fun to talk to him about it. But she says, glad I bought it because I will definitely be reading this one. If you can really allow yourself to float with it, I see the scenes as they play out. It's a total trip. I can honestly say that I connected with this book and highly recommend it to anyone who loves to see and think outside the box. Thank you for this because I feel like I found a gem. Oh, nice. Yeah. Let's check out the book. On YouTube, Nathan says, Shame Twin Peaks is such a niche show. You guys should have a million more subscribers. Great interviews and great content. Thanks. And I concur. Give us those subscribes and ring that bell on the old YouTube. But yeah, we've gotten so much good feedback. I mean, mm. with all of our interviews, I think people have really been enjoying the show. Well, that is our feedback for this year. Uh, we'll be doing another feedback show probably in the beginning uh, of 2019. Uh, we appreciate all the emails. You can send those emails at twinpeaksunwrapped at gmail.com. And, you know, Ben's on the Twitter. You can, you can at him. Um, you can send me stuff on the old Facebook at Twin Peaks Unwrapped. And before we go, I love my numbers, Ben. And I got a few things I'd like to go over before we get out of here. Okay. I have our top 10 downloaded episodes of all time. Number 10 is episode 118, Firewalk With Me at 25 Years with John Thorne and Bob Angles. Number 9. Episode 117, The Return, Part 15, which was a big one. Yes. Number eight, episode 87, 
Sherilyn Fenn interview. It's a good one. Now everybody knows that episode was put on hold. It was out for a good 24 hours. And then we were told to take it down. We took it down. We saw her beautiful face during episode 12 at the Roadhouse, and we put it back up. Yes. And it made our, it's still it's in the top 10. That's awesome. Number seven, episode 115, The Return, part 13, with Josh Minton on the Skeleton Key, which I believe his book is still, you can pre-order it. It's going to be coming out pretty soon. Um, I highly recommend listening to his Skeleton Key. He has some very, um, some Outside of the box? Very outside of the box opinions. Uh, none of us agree with them, but they're amazing. <laughs> And, and we, need we, people, and we, we need love people, Josh Mitten, we too. Need a, we need things to discuss like that. I yeah. think it's a wild theory. Yeah, very wild. So go check that out. Number six, episode eight, 108, The Return Part 8 with John Thorne. That episode hit. It was big. It's weird. It's like there was a rumbling that day on Sunday. I remember the magic. That day, I got a text from Scott Ryan. Tonight's episode, something I feel like something is going to happen. Big. It's happening again. again. And I was like, how does he know? Yes. And it, it, it was big. It was big. But like, huge. there was like a rumbling that right. day. The magic was in the air. I miss it. Ben, I miss it. Come back to us. Come back. You know, John Thorne has some of the... the I mean, he's he's one of our favorite guests. I mean, he seems like the, the audience loves him, and we love having him on, and... Yeah, we got to get him on again soon. And, I mean, he's all over this top ten. Have you noticed so far? Oh, yeah, that's like the second episode he's been in. Number five, episode one, the pilot, all back from 2015. Wow, I know, pretty cool. Our our our, our pilot episodes right there. Number four, episode 119, the return 16 with Joel Baco, which he's always a fan favorite too. Definitely. Number three, episode 103, The Return, part one and two, with Harley Payton and John Thorne. John Thorne makes this list now three times. Um, Harley Payton, his opinions about episode one and two were not favorable by the community, but he had to be heard. And yeah. I liked, I like to hear opinions I don't agree with. Right. Because it makes you think. Totally. Um, and he thought there was too much uh, David Lynch. Yep, he thought he pushed himself in too much, and he yeah. thought that was... But He hey, was wrong. He was wrong. <laughs> episode uh, number two, episode 120, The Return, part 17 and 18, with John Thorne. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> and can you guess the number one, our number one downloaded show? Our number one downloaded show. Hmm. Number one downloaded show after three years? Mm-hmm. What could it be? Is it an interview with somebody? It is. Could it be Mark Frost? Nope. What? Not Mark Frost? Nope. <laughs> David Lynch? <laughs> we didn't interview David. We Lynch. haven't David. Not yet, anyway. Uh, I do. It's Sabrina. Nope. Um, who else? Who would it be? Oh, wait a minute. Could it be you Michael want... Horst? It is. <laughs> this episode was released in February of 2016. And it was the biggest hit show for us. And to this day, it is is held the number one spot. It has. It has not been beat. It's coming close. Episode 120 is like very close to beating it out. But the Michael Horse episode that came out in 2016 has been the number one since it came out. And you remember why it was so big? Because Michael Horse mentions Kimmy and Andy. Right. And he says they're wonderful. And no it one. was a blimp. Nobody knew anything. Right. The, the, the IMDb had not released the cast. Mary Gomez, we didn't know was going to be part of it. I think we might have known about Kimmy. I think we we assumed that she was part of it, but there was no talk yet about Harry Gomez replay, replay, redoing his role as Andy. Yeah. So, so that was, was big news. That was like, oh, you spoiled something, Roger. And that caught you know the uh, the, the attention of some uh, media outlets, and that yeah. episode blew up for us. And it was kind of put us on the spot almost. That right. that interview. We weren't ready for that. It was like, what? What? People know us. People are gonna listen to us now. <laughs> what are we gonna do? So I got two more, two more little interesting things. The top countries for TPU. Here are the top countries for I'm TPU. I'm gonna start with USA. USA. <laughs> we have 64 percent of the downloads are from the US. Makes sense. Yeah. Behind that is the UK with 12 percent. Australia at 4%. Canada 
Which, come on, Canada. I thought you'd be bigger than this. You know, especially since Twin Peaks takes part in Canada. Sometimes. Yeah, come on. Come on, Canada. 3%. Sweden, Norway, and Germany at 1%. Denmark, France, and the others round out the rest. But I thought it was interesting that the UK is right behind the US. I mean, it makes sense to get the UK fast. There's a big, yeah. there's a big community in the UK that love Twin Peaks. We have a lot of interviews with the UK people if we can figure out how to dial their number. Yeah, we have a hard time <laughs> with that. But I really thought Canada would have been higher up on that list. But it's interesting that Australia is there. That's kind of that's awesome. Well, we just got a, we just got an uh, uh, email from Australia. That is true, right? Was that Simon? Simon emails from Australia. Thank you. Now here are our top five states of the United States of America. The top five states that listen to us. Number five, Pennsylvania, with four percent. Number four was Washington, with five percent. Number three, Texas. Texas. Texas was 6%. It's John Thorne. <laughs> yeah, John Thorne. Number two, can you want to guess what number two? Um, Connecticut? Nope. Massachusetts? Nope, you think. New York. Yes, ah, you got it. Wow. Third time is the charm. Yeah. Uh, New York is 8%. And can you want to guess the number one state that listens to us? We're very popular in the California. State. Yes. Uh, with 18%. Very cool. Now, Hi, California. Hi, Cal- it's crazy. California is like is like one of our biggest. And Washington's up there as well. Washington's number four. So California, Washington. But uh, Texas, I, I, I didn't see that. It's all John um, Thorne. It's all John Thorne. Now, our home states, Ben being from Mass, me being from Connecticut, Massachusetts is only 4%. I got to listen more often. <laughs> And Connecticut's 2%. Uh, I got to get my mom and my family yeah, members going. Yeah, come on. I thought that was interesting, though. That's really cool. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. I love the facts. Yeah, I love the facts of us sometimes. It's just kind of, you know, we do our show in a bubble, and we just see our friends and stuff. But then when you look at it, you go, wow, there's wow. people around the whole world. It's a world. global thing. It's a, yeah. They're listening to our show? That's cool. Like Thank you for listening. Yeah, we appreciate it. With that being said, we're out of here. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun. Leave us that email, twinpeaksunwrapped at gmail.com. Five-star review on the old iTunes. Hey, maybe we could read read on a future feedback show. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on the old Facebook. You can subscribe to us on YouTube, Google Play. We're on Spotify, which is so cool. Stitcher, iTunes. Hey, any of your favorite podcast places, I'm sure we're there somehow, some way. And don't forget to check out 25yearslatersite.com. Check out our friends every day. They've got articles out about Twin Peaks and other great TV and film. And with that being said, we'll see you guys next week.
All right. Um, on Twitter, Etro says... Oh, our friend Etro. <laughs> He's our buddy. I love it. He likes to he, he likes to tease us on Twitter. I know. He says, I miss him. Ben, just imagine young Brian talking to some of his little buddies after watching Phantom Menace. <laughs> <It's> what? Like, <laughs> what? This has nothing to do with Twin Peaks. And saying something like, I don't know, I thought Jar Jar Binks was pretty funny. <laughs> and the whole cafeteria said it goes quiet. It goes quiet. What? <laughs> what, what, is this? what is this? What is this? So, My little buddy. <laughs> so so we, we want to know. I was born in 79. <laughs> The original Star Wars was in theaters. No, no, no. This is Phantom Menace. But Phantom I was not in school during Phantom Menace. I was in my 20s. You, you, probably still, you probably still had little buddies. My little buddies. Hey, little buddies. I thought Jar Jar Binks was uh, pretty funny, don't you? Uh-huh. Y'all threw food at me. Uh-huh. Even even children knew Jar Jar Binks wasn't funny. Uh-huh. That was just. Now, a, what does this pertain to? What's the context of this tweet? I don't know. I think he was mocking me at first, and then went on to mocking you. He brought he when he was done saying mmm, Ben, he went on to you. But oh, I just wanted to lighten the mood. There. Oh, that was a good one. I, uh, I think that's how we should end up, Ben. Do we, I mean, do we have any more?